This is Seattle Hawk Talk and another Seahawk Extra Point podcast. Actually, the maiden voyage of the 2019 season, I guess you could call it. The draft followed by the acquisition of undrafted free agents, some shopping, horse trading for some veteran help, and already uh, rookie camp to see if we got what we think we got. Followed closely by a dump truck load of crap about our Seahawks from the national press. You, you, you got to get good with it. it it's never going to end. Incredibly stupid things. Best of which lately was that going into 2019, the Hawks are rated by one national pundit as the third worst in the NFL defense. Yeah, okay, not sure how you go from playoff quality to worst, but that's kind of crap we always hear about Seattle Seahawks. So, well, we thought rather than dwell on the insanely stupid crap, let's talk about some fun stuff. After all, it is a game. It should be fun. And when we talk about that, we remember the 80s Bears when they gave the ball to the Fridge Perry on the three-yard line and scored. Now, that was the kind of fun we're talking about. I'm Rob 50. He's Pope 50. And we think we're playoff bound and even more optimistic than last year at this time. So, Pope 50, uh, what are you jacked up about as we take a look at what we got in camp at this point? Jacked up about a lot of stuff. Who can't, you know, you can't really discount the DK Metcalf. That's a great pickup. I, lo- I love uh, our first round pickup of LJ Collier, um, but I'm pretty excited about some of the guys we picked up in the lower rounds. Ben Burkirvan was always a, you know, a uh, guy that I was following. I mean, I, it seems to me that there used to be, once upon a time, a pretty good linebacker that uh, was too small, undersized, a little, you know, a little short, a little light. Uh, not fast enough, and ended up playing some pretty good football there for a little while, Mike Singletary. Um, and Ben Burkirvan, you know, yeah, he's too small to be a linebacker in the NFL. He's not fast enough to be a linebacker in the NFL. Well, 176 tackles in the, you know, FBS leading, you know, uh, season last year for the Huskies. Uh, 176 tackles, man. You can't, this, look, you, you can't, I, I, it, it, I'm sitting here stuttering because it blows my mind. He was at a division one competitive program. Some people thought that they were headed to the national championship. They dropped a couple bonehead games and didn't get into the, you know, college playoff, but 176 tackles. Basically what that says is I am always around the ball. Yeah. You know, the guy, the kid's got a really keen sense for it. I'm not saying he's going to oust Bobby Wagner, the best linebacker no. in the NFL, but we got to start planning for life after Bobby. Right. I'm not saying he's leaving anywhere with his contract or anything like that, but, you know, linebackers in the NFL, he's kind of almost reaching expiration date. You know, Bobby's, you know, 29-plus years old, and uh, so we got to start planning for life after Bobby. And you and I have always talked about how linebackers are basically the quarterback on the defensive side of the ball, so it takes a second, especially for rookies, to you know kind of get their sea legs under them and get you know all of the shifts and all the complexities of, of what their defense, followed closely by diagnosing an offense that they're you know they didn't really see. You know, everybody talks about how the pro style offense is kind of lost in the college game and it's being lost to you know air raid and spread offenses and that are prevalent in the college ranks. And, you know, that takes some time for, you know, defensive players to really start to diagnose. So pretty excited about Ben Burkirvan, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, Also excited about Phil Haynes, you know, later draft pick for us. Offensive player. uh, And, you know, there were a lot of people, again, that were talking. And I think, you know, we we just, uh, like I said, 
Now I'm stuttering. We just get so blown away, the two of us, you know, by the stupid crap that comes out of people's mouths. It's like, well, you know, that offensive line, well, it's a big need for the Seattle Seahawks. And you pick up a potty from Arizona and a little bit of injury problems. But, but you know, as soon as he gets that cured, very strong player. And, uh, and, then, and then we pick up this kid and, uh, you know, I, I think it puts you in a position maybe to um, push Effetti a little bit harder to crank his game up, at the very least. Well, yeah, you know, Phil Haynes has the real close look to DJ Fluker. You know, the guy is just a man mountain. Uh, played a lot of basketball in high school, didn't play much football, so he's, pretty, he's a pretty raw talent. And I'm just, I'm very excited about the kid because we've done some great things with raw talent in the past. Mike Solari has proven that he fits with what Pete is trying to do in the run game. And, and man, we're just drafting all kinds of these road graders that are just doing, you know, that, that are just, just beat you up and snot bubbles kind of offensive linemen. And it's great. Don't forget, Jamarco Jones is coming back off of injury and looked really, really good mm-hmm. uh, last year for us. So, yeah, no, I think I'm pretty excited because, you know, one tweet that I did see from, uh, you know, somebody out there in national media land was, I haven't seen this much talent in the Seattle Seahawks uh, roster and this much comp- good competition since 2012-2013. That is, I think, an, an amazing statement because, you know, you have a linebacker room that's going to be very solid, obviously, Bobby, KJ, Right. Um, you know, coming back, and then you you add the rookies that look really good, and then you go to the other side of the ball with the offensive line, and you see Jamarco Jones pushing for time, George Fant pushing for time, maybe this Phil Haynes guy pushing for time, plus all of the starters that you have uh, that are you know going to solidify their positions, and Dwayne Brown leading the charge, and you know then you jump back into the backfield and. For crying out loud, you and I can't say enough about Chris Carson. I think Rashad Penny makes a step this year. But then, you know, if he doesn't, you still got some really cool stuff behind him. You know, J.D. McKissick, who we've always been a, a big fan of. And no one's talking about Bo Scarborough. I was just going to say that. Yeah, I, I was just going to say that. You know, I'll bet you that there are a lot of people don't even know that we have Bo Scarborough in the running back room. You know, coming out of college, or at least during his senior season, Bo Scarborough was huge in the conversation, and he's just kind of gotten swallowed up, uh, you know, over the last couple of years by a lot of other stuff. And I would bet even a lot of Seattle Seahawks fans don't even know that Bo Scarborough is on the roster. Yeah, no, and, and it's sad that they don't because one thing that the Seattle Seahawks do very, very well, systematically, we believe in the system, and Bo Scarborough fits the system and everything you want to do in the system. He is a punishing runner, and once he gets loose, he's fast, deceptively fast because he's tall, but he's fast. So, you know, uh, at six foot three, I think, and 230, 235 pounds, with a punishing, you know, snap bubble style of running, uh, turns into a short yardage back kind of a dream, you know, and, and get Chris out of there so he's not getting the crap kicked out of him all the time down on the goal line when everyone can just kind of tee off on him and put, you know, a guy like Bo Scarborough who can really absorb that kind of stuff and really take it home. And then you put that behind a DJ Fluker and a Mike Upati and a Justin Britt and a Dwayne Brown. He is Everybody close down into shoulder-to-shoulder and push, okay? That's all I need you to do. And Bo, run straight ahead. 
Well, and this is a great place for us to transition into the fun that we really intended to, to uh, talk about. And that is, you know, Bo Scarborough, you always look at that that roster as you're going into the season and you've got it whittled down to kind of the bare minimum and you just can't carry everybody. You know, you got 50-odd players and, you know, there's nothing you can do about the fact that you need a kicker, you need a punter, you need a long snapper. So those are locked in. you got to have a quarterback, et cetera, et cetera. Bottom line is, is that there's some some people that uh, that you can put in a lot of different positions, and we've had this conversation about just take the names off of it. You know, ah, he's an edge rusher, he's a whatever, he's a, he's a this, he's a slot guy. You know, blah blah blah. It's like forget that. Just take the names off of it. And I'm talking specifically about George Fan, but in the context of the Bo Scarborough conversation, you know, why wouldn't you have a guy like that maybe play fullback, and then you would have an additional running back. You could put him in and people would think he was playing fullback and that you were going to do one thing when you could just hand the ball off to him. Runs great between the tackles. And in George Fant's case, you know, why wouldn't you pull George Fant back just to have some real fun? Sort of in the vein of Fridge Perry, you know, with the uh, 80s Bears. Why wouldn't you pull Fant back in there and, you know, and then hand it to, uh, you know, Chris Carson and have Fant go through first? Okay, so Fant hits the hind end of DJ Fluker and then Carson is right behind him. And it's, I don't know. You know, that's pretty explosive coming through the line when you're trying to do a two-point conversion after a touchdown. I'll do you one better. I mean, why put Carson in there when you got Bo Scarborough and, you know, lead, lead block with George Vant? I mean, that's a lot of weight coming through the hole as fast as that's going to, you know, transpire. So, I mean, it'd be a blast to watch, you know, just have – you know, call it the pigs or, you know, your goal, you know, it's your goal line package, you know, and every, just, it's the bigs, man. Just put the bigs on there or even set George Spant as a single back and hand it to him. I mean, the guy played basketball. It's not like he can't move his feet. I love George Spant. I, I don't think that we should get rid of a Fetty, but I think we need to keep him on, on the cheap because he hasn't proven that he's worth 10 million. Different conversation, different day. I like George Fant doubling up on a tackle or call him a tight end or I don't like you said, take the name off of it. I'd line the guy up wide and throw it to him all the time. I mean, what kind of a matchup nightmare? I mean, who are you gonna put on that guy? Right. Line yeah. him up as a wide receiver. What are you gonna do? Put a corner on him? I Good think luck. It, I think it'd be fun to put him in the slot just to screw up with the head of the defensive coordinator on the other side of the ball. Put him in the slot, you know, and have him and have him pull from there, you know, go in the opposite direction pull from the slot and come in and, you know, block something that's coming off tackle. And there's all kinds of different ways to play a guy like that. But I think, you know, one of the things that we've had fun with after a few beers was talking about this kind of fun stuff and utilizing some of those players. And and that's why Bo Scarborough comes into the conversation on the heels of George Fant, because those are two guys that can do a bunch of different kinds of things that not everybody can do. A lot of people excited about Penny. I maintain that Penny is not between the tackles. You maintain that he's probably going to get better and be better between the tackles, but in in my mind, it's like you throw it to the guy coming out of the backfield, you know, four or five yards deep, and, and he turns it into 13 yards because he is so good in space. Why mess with him any other way? That's what he does. I do think he's going to make a step forward in between the tackles this year, and I will continue to maintain that. But I'm with you. 
You know, the guy the guy is great in space. So in, again, you know, take the names off of stuff. If you think you're having you're a little short in the wide receiver room, here's a guy that is a great pass catcher that you can line up all over the place. And again, create those matchup nightmares. It's just like we were talking about George. By the way, you and I are both linebackers. Can you imagine if if George Fant lines up in the slot and then cracks down on the second level? Sweet <laughs> Jesus, that hurts. Well, not only that, but it messes with the head of the defense. You it gotta... really does, and then you send Penny off tackle, and even if George just chips the linebacker, he's gonna, you know, guy's gonna be. It's gonna be tough for the guy to get around the fan. Make no mistake. And then you know, Penny goes screaming off tackle, and you know, into wide open space, and then he's singled up on the, you know, the corner and the free safety or something. I'll take that matchup all day long. So, you know, again, just in in the context of this conversation, you begin to get a better sense about why we think Bo Scarborough is such a, a wonderful thing to have in the, in the running back room, and perhaps why they felt like it was okay to let Davis go to the Bears. Yeah, you know, I, I really, like I said earlier, we think our competition, you know, all across the board is bar none, some of the best in the NFL. You look at Chris Carson and Rashad Penny, those are two great ones, but then you start to put stuff like McKissick and Bo Scarborough and, you know, even this new kid, uh, Travis Homer from Florida or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's showing some good stuff. And get rid of the cancer that is CJ Prosize. I mean, get him out of the room, for crying out loud. Yeah. You know, make space on the roster already. 16 games in three years in the NFL. I don't know. That dog doesn't hunt. Okay, so I get this phone call here about a week ago, and uh, it's from you, and all I hear is screaming on the other end of the phone. And it was that crap from the national media that said we were third worst. Third worst, they predicted, coming in this year on the defense. I, it's, just, it's unbelievable how you can go from 11 to third worst in the NFL when what has really changed, number one? I, I mean, it, 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 are they thinking that this was all Frank? And because Frank is gone, you know? Yeah, what, I don't know if you heard. Frank Clark was, you know, the only reason the defense uh, was as <laughs> yeah. good as it was last year. Okay. What? Yeah. You know, I, we what can, are these people going to realize as a team sport, man? Like, we're crying out loud, it, you know, and how many guys have we had in the system, again, with us in the system, right? How many guys have we had as edge rushers in our system that went on to sign big contracts and didn't do much? Several, Bruce Irvin, Chris Clemens. The list is fairly extensive, man, and, and we just keep on bringing guys in. And is no one paying attention to what Pete Carroll is saying because he's he doesn't really, you know, sit up there and just give you a bunch of lip service. He actually gives it to you pretty straight. Rasheem Green, we're expecting him to take a big step up this season. He's had a good offseason. Uh, we're looking forward to getting him in there uh, and moving some of our veterans around. And, you know, they pick up LJ Collier, which creates some matchup nightmares on the inside. And, you know, and then somebody that we haven't even heard of yet is going to come up and make a step. And, you know, they brought in Shane Ray for a visit, and which, you know, this could be a, a good fit. He has Seahawk kind of thing written all over him. You know, you read the story about Shane Ray, and he was a you know, outstanding draft pick and, you know, first rounder and gets, you know, kind of dinged up as in his sophomore and junior season, you know, second and third years in the league and can't make those steps because he's dinged up. And he's saying to, you know, the NFL now, Look, 
I'm healthy. I'm ready. I'm going to be a starter wherever I go. He's a veteran who you can get, you know, on a team-friendly deal. He's got Seahawk written all over him, man. It would surprise me very much if we didn't pick him up. And one of the things that uh, I, I go back to that I really endorse that you just said is is that, you know, the Seahawks just continue to crank out really, really good edge rushers. And I think that the deal there is got to credit Pete and John with that. And that is that they go out and they find somebody who has the skill set to do it, and then they bring them in, school them up, and, you know, you end up with the Frank Clark, and at some point they all decide they want the money instead of the ring, and off they go. We're running out of time here. Let's talk about Shaquem because... Oh, thank God. Because... I'm so glad you brought that up. I was hoping you were. Well, Shaquem is somebody who, you know, that's where the conversation started about take the name tag off of, you know, what position they're playing. Because we have maintained... If you listen to us, you've heard us say a hundred times, if we've said it once, he is not a linebacker. A, he's too fast. B, he's really good out in space. His closing speed is unbelievable. I'm still, you know, a little bit in mourning over losing Coleman. He was my guy, you know, from the first time I saw him, I said, whoa, this guy's on the team. And he was, did great stuff, and walked away and got his $9 million a year contract. Good on him. You know, you do you, but, you know, we still got to find somebody to play that position. I don't know. Shaquem could be the guy. He's got some of the skill set to do that. Hits like a ton of bricks. Yeah, well, you know, the thing that was exciting about him coming in is is the attitude and his relationship with his brother. I would I would just love to see him, you know, as as our I don't care. Like you said, take the name off of it. Strong safety? Yeah, no, perfect. I I'm excited about Marquise Blair who we brought in to play, you know, hopefully play next to Bradley McDougal because I think, you know, you you have to keep Bradley on the field. He's a leader back there. He's you know, shown some really good stuff. So, obviously, Bradley stays on the field and I just think that you got to find ways to get this kid on the field because his closing speed is barn. Just like all the stuff you said, and how exciting would it be to see him play kind of that Cam Chancellor role, and then you know put, use Marquis Blair because you know he's a little bit smaller than Shaquem Griffin, and uh, you know Marquis Blair pretty fast and bully with a helmet. But you got to get that stuff out on the field. You want that intimidating defense back. These are people that you have to find ways to get on the field. And, you know, Shaquem also has a, a, an ability to come off the edge and blitz very well, which is something you could do with the strong safety pack, you know, blitz package. It's get him on the field, have ways to get him on the field, because defensively you can mitigate some of the matchup nightmares that some of these big tight ends and stuff like that offer when they come onto the field or run the seam or, or things like that, because Shaquem is big enough to handle and carry those guys down the field. Again, we see some real, real optimistic reasons to think that the uh, Seahawks are going to do even better this year than they did last. And let's not forget, going into the season last year, there were people saying, eh, 4-12, and 12, they got some real problems they got to fix. Uh, yeah, 4-12. and 12. We end, And you and I said, actually, I was looking back, we did a podcast that was entitled 9-7 uh, and seven or 11-5. and five. And uh, obviously, we were making the case for eleven and five. We ended up ten and six. We weren't that far off. And this year, I'm feeling even more optimistic. So there you have it, our first podcast of the year. Make sure you check back because we're starting to get all juiced up and we're going to be doing more of these uh, in the weeks to come, particularly as we get a lot closer to camp. So keep watching, keep listening. We're going to be uh, throwing some things out there as we read more stupid crap from the uh, national press seattlehawktalk.com 
You've been listening to the Seattle Hawk Talk Extra Point Podcast, the official podcast of the SeattleHawkTalk.com website. Go Seahawks!